Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. In Ireland, we love a good story, and I'm lucky enough to be able to chat to people from all over the world to hear their story and to hear about their life in Dublin. In this podcast, we want to be able to learn from the stories of others so that people who have recently moved to Dublin can get the most out of their time here. I am. I am, yeah. Um, I'm coming from Serbia, so Serbia is cold country. We have all four seasons, but it's not too bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's what? very similar weather, actually. Really? Like in Ireland. Yeah, it reminds me a lot. We have a lot of rain around this time, and then snow starts slowly around the end of November. So, yeah. 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 It, it, is it like a place, like, do you go skiing? I, yeah, absolutely. We have a couple of mountains in the south, so it would be like Kopaonik and Zlatibor, if anybody is interested, yeah. <laughs> promoting my own country. <laughs> Good. But yeah, it's uh, pretty nice and it's cheap. It's much cheaper than Austria or Switzerland, for example. It would be much, much cheaper to ski there or do snowboarding as well. Is it difficult to travel to Serbia? Like, I mean... From Ireland, yes. Well, I wouldn't say it's difficult. I mean, you do need to make connection flights. So I would say Amsterdam would be the best connection, like because it's the least wait, I would say, maybe 50 minutes wait to connect the flights. And if you buy the ticket with the same airline, you would be perfectly fine. Mm. And then obviously you would fly to Belgrade, the capital. And then after from there, you would need to catch a bus or something to the south. So that can be a bit of an issue if you're not really familiar with the country itself. Mm. Yeah. But 
you can find a way. <laughs> and if I'm going skiing, like when when would be the perfect time to be going skiing in Serbia? January, I would say. Yeah, January. It's lovely as well because it's our Christmas time because mm-hmm. we are Orthodox, for example. So we celebrate Christmas on the 7th of January. So this is the very lovely time to be there. Like everything mm-hmm. is lit up around the city. It's so beautiful. And okay, not everything works around the holidays, but we have only two, three days that we don't work and yeah. then everything else opens up. And similarly, like here, yeah. very, very similar. Um, even I'm not sure if we've started the podcast yet, today, <laughs> but uh, assuming that we have. Uh, Ross is shaking his head. It's all a podcast. It's all a proper Truman show going on <laughs> yeah. today. Like. Yeah. Um, thanks so much for doing this, Anya. Really, really appreciate your time. Thank you yeah. for having me. <laughs> yeah. um, is, is it an incredibly different place, Serbia, to, to Ireland? Well, for me, yes, because there is so much more opportunities in Ireland than in Serbia. Economically and politically speaking, Serbia is quite uh, not good at the moment. So I would say for me, when I moved here, it was a big step in a good way. So Mm. I felt like I didn't finish any college or anything like like university wise. So I only have like a higher school uh, that I got in Malta. Yeah. So for me, when I moved here to get a job without actually having a diploma from university and actually good paying job, it was quite a success. And I felt like it's coming from a country itself. So I felt like Ireland gave me this. So uh, it felt really good, like really, really good. In Serbia, if you don't have university diploma and connections, like if your father doesn't know somebody else, no way you're going to find a good paying job. So so if I was um, in in Serbia, if I'm like a, like I say, a 22 year old guy or something, and um, or even like an 18 year old guy just come out of school, I don't want to go to college. My dad doesn't have connections, or my parents don't have connections. What type of what type of thing can I can I get? What what would I do? Yeah, unfortunately, you can get you know into supermarkets as a cashier or a warehouse worker or something mm-hmm. like that. But yeah. you know the wages are up to 400 euros. And, you know, if you need to pay a rent month. of two a month and mm. if you need to pay a rent of 200 euros, you are quite screwed, in wow. my opinion. And especially now rent is going up because of all the issues in the world that we have at the moment. So it's quite, quite hard. Yeah, yeah. this could be uh, ignorant of me. I mean, I, yeah. I'm assuming that Serbia is in the European Union. No, it's not. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, no. Uh, Serbia is not in European Union. And... Is it in the EE, uh, the European Common Travel Area, or anything like that? Uh, well, I mean, ECC, isn't it? it's in the Eurovision. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, in it Eurovision. In Eurovision. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, politically speaking, we don't belong to Europe, but geographically speaking, we are in Europe. So, uh, in this way, like, unfortunately, it's hard to travel. Like, it's hard to move from Serbia for mm. us to live in Europe in general. Like, uh, we fought to get into European Union, but unfortunately, with uh, Russia and America and all these, you know, big political influences, you can't really get into it. And um, can yeah. you explain a little bit about that, or or maybe speak to it to a little bit? So maybe yeah. educate us a little bit on um, the history there. Not going into like obviously extreme detail, but um, as a country, as you said, that's geographically in Europe. Uh, would like to be part of the European Union, yeah. but is not. Um, Serbia what, for dummies, like. Yeah. What, what, <laughs> can you explain to us why that is? Yeah. Just before I start, I would like to say that I do think it's incredible country. So um, 
I have my opinion about it as well, that it's maybe not so good, but I do think it's a lovely country to be in. Mm. Uh, but regarding the background, as you know, we were a big Yugoslavia, so yeah. before it fell apart and stuff like that. And unfortunately, Serbia was one of the Balkan countries that stayed kind of close to Russia. And since you know that we are in a good alliances to them and we are in good communications with them and stuff like that, we can get into the European Union. And we were bombed by NATO in 1999. So for this reason... I remember that. Yeah. I remember that um, because it was like, you know, I was uh, almost 10 and I remember watching it on the news and it it was shocking for me. I remember seeing it, uh, the, the airplanes. I remember Bill Clinton talking on the TV. Yeah. I remember the planes were just relentlessly bombing. Um, yeah. So I was too young to actually have the knowledge of this, but my parents lived through it. And this is how my parents moved to Serbia, for example, because of the war. So obviously my mom was pregnant with me at the time they were bombing. So uh, it must be quite traumatizing. Mm-hmm. Like when I hear the stories, definitely it's traumatizing when you hear it. Uh, but, you know, like uh, my both of my grandpas are in military as well. So for them to hear these stories from them like firsthand and one of my grandpas actually put down invisible airplane, American invisible airplane. Mm-hmm. So it was a big thing. He was in newspapers. He's now in history books and stuff like that. So it's quite um, interesting to know this stuff. But even though it's sad, it's super interesting to listen him talk about it and what they went through. It's quite incredible like I can't imagine that happening now and it's happening actually with Ukraine for example it's very similar situation what happened to us like very very similar so when you think about it it's still happening just not exactly where you live or so your grandfather um when you say invisible plane maybe it's a stealth Stealth yeah I don't know the English word yeah 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 um he shot it out of the sky yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds cool, but <laughs> I guess it's not that cool. <laughs> uh, I mean, impressive, impressive thing to do. Impressive you know, thing to do. Yeah. Everyone playing Call of Duty would uh, would have loved to have done something like that. But yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, he was trying to protect what he believed, right? Yeah, he was absolutely. For what he believed was right, and um, yeah. So, former Yugoslavian country was bombed by NATO in 1999. Uh, what has it kind but of done? Sorry to interrupt. No worries. Yeah. Why were they bombing it? Well, Kosovo, <laughs> Kosovo, that it's geographically part of Serbia. Unfortunately, everybody was fighting for the piece of land, as you all know, like it's always the land. So uh, Kosovo is kind of split up between Muslim and Orthodox religion as well. And we have a lot of Albanians living there, a lot of Serbians living there. But obviously, Albania wanted it. We wanted it. America wanted it. So it was quite a piece of land that everybody wants to have. There, was there any kind of obvious financial reason for wanting it? I'm not sure, to be honest. I don't. I assume there is. <laughs> I think yeah. it's uh, something that they wanted out of it. So uh, I think it might be any of it, like oil or the gold or whatever they are trying to extract from, uh, especially America. They always want something. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, o- officially Kosovo is now independent. Mm-hmm. It's uh, land for itself, but, you know, it belongs to, to higher power. So it's okay. just not ours anymore. Um, I didn't I actually didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's a topic that it's quite hard to talk about because uh, especially, for example, at my job now, I work with a lot of Albanians. I work with a lot of people from Kosovo and stuff like that. And we love each other. We are friends and it's we have great communication, but we still avoid the topic. You know, we don't want to talk about it because everybody's coming from a different side and it's just like, OK, let's just 
we are all in Ireland. It's not going to end well. Like, neutral yeah. land, you know, it's all good. So let's not talk about it at all. Especially because I'm so young and I don't want to get involved. It didn't happen to me, you mm. know. But um, Serbia is what it is now today because of generation of my grandfather, for example. They voted for this government right now and they still wanted it. And this is why we are not in European Union. So you can understand the clashings there. Okay. Which is fair enough. I understand they have a good reason to not to vote to get into European Union, but also younger people understand why it would benefit us. Mm-hmm. So it's quite, um, yeah, a misunderstanding pretty much at the moment between younger people and older people, so it's gonna take older s- generation. It's yeah. going to take time until, uh, I guess, yeah. two two generations until it kind of refreshes again. And But, yeah. uh, you know, who knows if the European Union is still going to be around in two generations like it's been really tested at the moment anything can happen and that's it like yeah if italy decides that it wants to leave the european union for example yeah yeah we could be in trouble um but yeah it's it's interesting to be perfectly honest that you know democratically i guess or to a certain extent i don't know um the government within serbia still has ties with um the USSR or uh, the older USSR or Russia, we'll just say, Russian Federation, um, yeah. more so. And that's, you know, probably relatively normal given their, their proximity to it. Is is there similarities in language? Uh, Absolutely, yeah. Like, I can understand Russian very well. Um, I don't speak it because it's a bit com- more complicated, but if they would write something for me, because we have the same alphabet, we have we write in Cyrillic. Cyrillic yeah. yeah, it's slightly different, obviously, but at the same time, it's pretty clear, like what they're trying to <laughs> write or whatever. Obviously, there are differences, big differences, but at the same time, if you want to have a simple conversation, you can, definitely. It's a Slavic language. So let's say Montenegro, Croatia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, uh, Slovenia so all these countries we have like the root of our language is Slavic so we are yeah. we can all communicate with each other mm-hmm. so it's that's really interesting and fun I yeah. find that really really good especially mm-hmm. since I moved from my country I realized how many people I can understand and how many people can understand me as well mm-hmm. has your uh, friend group uh, is your friend group mainly made up of uh, Irish people, of people from other Slavic countries, or have you kind of extended more towards the Western side of Europe, like French or Germans? Yeah, interestingly enough, I extend to Western side of Europe. Uh, I am uh, not that I'm going to say that I don't agree uh, with people from Eastern Europe. It's wrong because I have friends from there also. But I do agree with cultures like France, Italy, Spain, Ireland as well. Very interesting. I have a lot of Irish friends as well. So I I like this mindset much more. And I do feel that I'm part of it. Mm -hmm. And they made me feel like I'm part of it, which I really appreciate that. I've been living here only two years and a half and I feel home. So it's it's really good to feel that in yeah. a way. Yeah. Um, you were saying to me before we started this and this obviously one of the reasons why I guess you feel lucky is that obviously Serbia not being part of the European Union, you don't have an immediate uh, right to spend a long time and to work here yeah. in, in Ireland. Um, but because of a family member, you, 
I can't remember. Is it? Yeah. So basically, with the Serbian passport, you can only spend three months in European Union or living. Or it's not really living. They call it more like tourist visit or whatever. Yeah. It's up to three months, and then you need to go back to your country. Uh, however, my mom is Croatian, so she has Croatian nationality, and for this reason, I'm allowed to have one as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, I must say I'm really happy about it because I feel very lucky and privileged as well because not many people in Serbia can have that. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot of families that have the Croatian origin and for this reason they can come in Europe and stay here and work and study as well, which is great. Um, But uh, yeah, so that's how I have Croatian passport pretty much because of my mom. It even makes me feel like just very lucky that, you know, I get to have the privilege to live in Ireland at this time you know because in other parts of history it might not have been the best time to or best country there wasn't people coming from all over the world to live here that's for sure Um, so I feel very privileged and lucky but also I I remember during COVID this for me this was um, amplified even more given like the particular government that region governmental region where you were and the like actions taken by that government in terms of what you were allowed to do during COVID, whether you were allowed to go to a restaurant, whether you were allowed to travel further than five kilometers from your house, like each region had its own specific, more or less set of rules, Yeah. even though there were similarities. And it was just, it, or even in Ireland, I think at some points there were specific lockdowns within specific parts of the country, like maybe one county in particular was in lockdown. And if you were geographically in that part of, the country then you had a specific set of rules to follow um and it just like it was all completely out of our control just like the way where it's completely out of control where we're born what and you know what part of the world we're born into and therefore the the subsequent set of opportunities that we have based on where we're born it's craziness if you think about it yeah it's crazy to think that and you know when I moved to Malta I realized that because my dad for example he doesn't have Croatian citizenship so he only has Serbian one and even though he's been married to Croatian person for almost now 24 years he still had issues so he still needed to prove his marriage that I'm his kid that my sister is his kid so we needed to show pictures and stuff like that so it was quite like the meeting with the with the people that were checking all this stuff it was quite intimidating you know you feel like yeah. oh my god you're interrogating me just because you want to check if I'm really married to this person and I'm telling you it's been 24 years you know what I mean so it's quite um, it's quite unpleasant. And, yeah. you know, when we landed in Malta, they, this was really funny. Uh, now it's funny, but it was really terrifying. They sent us to immigration center because first time I came to Malta, I came with my Serbian passport. So they were asking us, what are you doing here? Why do you don't have return ticket? How are you going to go back to your country? And Sorry, so, so when you came into Dublin... Yeah, they sent you to an immigration center. No, Malta. Malta, Malta. Oh, sorry, Malta, Malta. No, no, okay. no, no worries. <laughs> yeah. yeah, to Malta. They're really, really strict with this stuff. And they actually made us buy the return ticket that day. And they wanted to know when we are oh, going right. back. Yeah. So it was quite... Um, intense. Inti- intense, yeah, very mm. intense. Like the first three to four months in Malta were really intense. Like, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> how are we going to go back? <laughs> it's, On this little was, island in the Mediterranean. Yeah, yeah, that is intense. Yeah. Um, like I actually was speaking this isn't on the same level but it just goes it's hard to feel like you're part of a place when that sort of thing happens I was speaking to my brother a few weeks ago and he lives in Australia Mm -hmm. um, 
and has a permanent visa there because he's married to an Australian woman. They have three kids who are Australians. Um, like he couldn't be more part of the society yeah. there. Permanent job, kids in primary schools, etc. Has it bought a house there? But they went to uh, they went on a holiday outside of Australia, and on the way back, um, he wasn't admitted into let onto the plane. Um, so long story short, he had to you know say goodbye to his kids. He was like saying to them, "Was like listen." You know, I'm yeah. married. These are my children. They're Australian. They all have Australian passports. I have a permanent visa. I don't understand what the problem is. And he just didn't realize that because he's like on a particular type of visa where he's um, married to someone that it has to be renewed after five years. And he didn't realize that just an administrative just because thing. Of that, yeah. um, and they were able to do it quickly enough, but he had to spend an extra day where they were until that was um, sorted out. But it was a scary moment for him because he was like, I, I'm saying goodbye to my kids and, and my wife and I don't I mean he knew it was going to be sorted out it wasn't I don't know when I'm going to see them again but at the same time it made him feel very you know different Yeah. that I still have to like really ask permission to be here um, and it's it's not a nice as you said and, and the example you nice gave one. is a much more extreme but it's really not a nice thing so uh, when did you move to Malta? I moved to Malta in 2018, so summertime, around that time, yeah. Uh, I remember because I was on summer vacation from school, and it was just pretty much like a trial to see the country and to figure out the jobs and to see how everything works. So we didn't actually have a really a plan. And for me, I was still in school, and I needed to go back. So I knew that I'm going to go back to Serbia and like drop out of school or whatever <laughs> I needed to do. So everything needed to be still sorted out. Mm-hmm. And my mom and my sister were still in Serbia as well. So yeah, we went there, we figured things out. I came back to make my Croatian passport, <laughs> yeah. like to fix that and to fix my documents and everything. And then I moved back and started studying mm. and stuff like that. So it was quite uh, okay from that point on for me, for my dad. He needed, he couldn't leave the country for six months. So uh, until he was waiting for his paper and his ID card that proves that he's married to my mom and stuff like that. So it's quite scary because you don't know what can happen in those six months, you know. And unfortunately, his father died, for example, in okay. those six mm-hmm. months. So my grandpa... So he couldn't go back. And yeah. it's absolutely devastating knowing that. Obviously, mm. after six months expired, he went there. But it's just horrible knowing that if you leave, you can't come back. So And he had a job, very good job at that point, And everything was kind of getting better, you know. But just because of that one document that he was waiting for, you can't leave, you know. So, you were there in 2018 and you've been here since... Uh, 2020. 2020. So you only had about a year and a half, two years maybe? No, sorry, not 2018, 2017. Sorry. Oh, 17. 17. Well, sorry, I mean, that was my mistake. Still, yeah. I mean, you know, you only had about two and a half years. Yeah, yeah to figure there. out everything. And yeah. you've been two and a half years Here in Ireland. Well, yeah. So, I mean, your time in Malta seems to be a bit of a stepping stone. What, uh, yeah. what w- did you learn anything from your time in Malta that you were able to apply when you moved to Ireland that made things a little bit easier to kind of integrate? English. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. English, yeah. Uh, and how to get out of my comfort zone as well. It was a huge step for me because, you know, you're surrounded by one culture your whole life and then you move to this island that is so international, so many people coming for uh, Erasmus, for example, and stuff like that, and you're just lost and you don't know what to do. And, you know, my English wasn't as good as now, so it was um, adapting to everything. So I started studying and I was working as well so it was quite uh, 
whole lot to take in. Yeah. But it was good. It was also good. It was fun. I have a lot of good friends from Malta now and that I still keep in touch with. And it's absolutely great. Like I met my boyfriend there as well. So that's another thing. We moved to Ireland together. So it all kind of worked out uh, mm-hmm. well. And my parents still live in Malta and they love it and they enjoy it there. So it's it's OK. Like mm. it's just that start, you know, to. Yeah, of course. Um, I, and can I ask, like, so, you know, in Western Europe, we all relatively kind of know who we are and what we're all about. And a Spanish mm. guy will have a nice... yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, you have an uh, absolutely... Uh, no everybody idea. experiences every day, who am I? Why, why am I on this planet? <laughs> no, I don't mean it that way. Existential um, I, I mean it in the sense of we, we have a good idea, let's say, of France and what they're about mm. and, and the Spanish and the Italians and etc. Um, what did you know about Ireland uh, before you decided to move here? Not much. I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> like, I I just know stories from my boyfriend because he used to live uh, in Dublin before. So we actually came on a vacation in January 2020 just to see the country. We still didn't know if we're going to move, move or not. So it was kind of like, let's see if we're going to like it, if I'm going to like it or not. And yeah. I actually did enjoy it a lot because... Difference from Malta is the Dublin is kind of city, which is going to sound funny maybe to you because it's still small. But uh, in a way, it's a city. You have the sense of um, oh, so many people around you. It's much more well constructed than Malta as well. Transport works. (laughs) So all these little things add up to your convenience and to your life that you want to live. So it's kind of nice. And all these big companies are here, for example, and all these stuff that are happening, like music gigs, you know, the culture of going out is different as well than Malta. Like in Malta, when you go out, it's just clubs, clubs, clubs. But here I like just sitting down and having a drink with a couple of friends and just having a chat. So yeah, I really like that. I really appreciate that about Ireland. Um, but yeah, and then we, while we were on vacation as well, we went to Cork and I loved Cork so much as well. It's a, it's a smaller Dublin, I like to mm-hmm. say it like that. And people are super nice and welcoming and it's just the whole culture was super nice. Like the first impression of Ireland was really good. Yeah. Do you yeah. see yourself moving to Cork? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I would like to live in country, countryside, definitely. Yeah. It's the goal in the future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, definitely, yeah, why not? Yeah. A bit outside of the city, but, you know, still 30 minute drive so you can still be in the city, if that makes sense. So That's, that's yeah. always the thing. You want to get out of the city, but you don't want to be too far away from it because yeah. there's always something going on exactly. to attract you back. And uh, Absolutely. And build, build me the bullet train. I mean, I, I, that's that's something uh, that I I would struggle with as well as a, a young Irishman. Uh, like I come from the countryside, I do love the countryside, yeah. but and you see yourself moving there in in well, I see myself moving there at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. But just knowing that you are going to have to suffer the the, and I don't mean this judgingly, the boredom of the country. It's like there's a niceness in being quiet and simple and kind of easy as long as you get involved in being uh, the activities that, that are on offer. Yeah. But there's something about the Dublin city that, that Dublin especially offers. It's just a buzz of that pulls you in, makes you want to go out, makes you want to yeah. meet up with your friends and uh, that you kind of do miss if you go out into the countryside. Like. 
Mm. I don't know, maybe because I grew up in the capital. I grew up in Belgrade. Okay. So I was constantly surrounded by this buzz, as you wanna, mm. <laughs> if you want to call it like that. But I also recently, like especially this pandemic, I liked pandemic because it's going to sound weird, but I'm not really the person to go out constantly in the loud spaces. <coughs> Sorry, it's not really my thing. So I do like slow living and I got into sustainability. I got into all this things that I really enjoy and I do think that countryside would suit me better at certain stage like after I don't need to really go to work constantly or (laughs) you know maybe some passive income or something but in that way you know like just something that can slow it down a bit and yeah for whatever reason and if like I'm 33 Ross you're 29 29. so probably if I if you asked me when I was Ross's age and definitely, even up until a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. I would have said, there's absolutely no hope in hell that I'll ever live in the countryside. <laughs> yeah. um, but now, if, for some reason, it's something that, um, and I don't have the experience of growing up in the countryside. Uh, I'd spend my summers there, but as a kid, but that's totally different. Um, like, So I don't really know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I kind of have a little bit like you, the idea of... Um, being able to disconnect so sometimes when I'm particularly busy in work or doing other things and helping out at weekends and other different things that I do um I find it just it's manic and I'd love to have like a space where you'd have to I don't know go out and fix the fence is the job (laughs) you know and and just that's not in a computer or it's not like talking to people it's just something yeah I guess more natural or yeah, within nature. Your activity to spend your day off, or yeah. whatever makes you happy in general. Like. Exactly. So whereas before, I would have thought exactly the same as Ross, where mm. like uh, there's not enough restaurants, there's not enough pubs, there's not enough things to do at night time. I'd actually be going. I'd have a totally different mindset now, in the sense, well, yeah, I don't want any of that. I I, I want to do stuff in the house or around the house, and oh yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, I like to say that I'm an old soul because I spend my evenings reading a book, you know, <laughs> it's my really thing, yeah. which, uh, listen, I go out and with my friends, especially my friends are super different than me, like, oh, let's go out, let's go clubbing, let's do this, let's do that. And I'm like, mm, I think I'm going to, you know, cover myself in a blanket and just read my book. And that's yeah. about it. <laughs> but yeah, drink outside. Yes. Having a chat with people always. But um, sometimes I just like quiet. <laughs> what type of books do you like to read? Everything. I like really, uh, I got really into Japanese literature when I was teenager. So from that point onwards, Haruki Murakami was my favorite mm. writer. I love him so much. Uh, I wish I can meet him in person as well. I like that non-realism type of books were really um, attractive to me for some reason. Mm. And it calms me down, weirdly enough. Yeah. So um, Haruki Murakami, I would say definitely. And recently, I love Sayaka Murata. I don't know if you had a chance to... Is. Uh, convenience store woman yes yeah, oh my god yeah yeah, yeah. great book, yeah, great really book. book yeah, yeah absolutely so yeah i'm reading her third book at the moment and it's um it's called life ceremony and it's uh kind of like short stories within that this book so it's absolutely great she i would say she has a similar style as murakami as well um but at the same time it's more more real i would in a way say it like mm. she talks about uncomfortable situations in the real world and how we deal with them pretty much yeah yeah the mundane is always a good topic yeah you know, <laughs> it's just nice and boring it can be just boring enough to be interesting you know that's, yeah. that's, that's it yeah that's what you need yeah yeah 
What what do you get from reading books? Like what what do you think are the benefits? Well, my English improved a lot. I stopped reading in Serbian for the past well, yeah, five years. I'm not reading in Serbian at all, which I at some point at, at the moment uh, now I am realizing that I'm losing Serbian now at the moment. <laughs> so when I'm talking with my parents, I'm using like English words that I'm like Serbianizing, you know, <laughs> like this type of stuff, and they mock me for that. They're like, "Oh, you're a real foreigner now." Yeah. <laughs> But uh, my English really improved and I love that. And I don't know, there is a charm reading in another language, if that makes sense, like mm-hmm. that it's not your native language and you always come up with this, oh, I don't know this word, let me Google it. And it's fun. I, li- I like that. And it brings me joy. It brings me so much joy. Like it's my hobby, I would say, just mm-hmm. staying home, reading a book with a good tea or a coffee and that's it. Can I ask why you decided not to go to university? Yeah, well, um, I didn't see the point, if that makes sense. Unfortunately, um, I started studying uh, in university in Malta, media and communication, actually, Mm. and because I wanted to be a journalist. And it's still something that I really like because I used to write for theater in Serbia Mm -hmm. and I am really into writing a lot. But unfortunately, um, I realized that I'm not going to have much money out of it. And (laughs) (laughs) especially coming from Serbia, it's not something that we encourage uh, kids to do like writing yeah. and journalism and all these things. It's not something that parents would be proud of you to. It's not safe. No, it's not Secure. safe. Yeah. Secure, yeah. Yeah, and in Malta I found like, oh my God, finally I'm going to study media and communication. I'm going to be happy about it and blah, blah, blah. And then I went into university. And even though they say that they are international university, they were mostly talking in Maltese. And this was the barrier that I started feeling anxious. I was a bit depressed as well. I didn't find myself really part of the group. Because even though I would remind the teacher, hey, can you switch to English? Then he would just talk for five minutes in English and then switch to Maltese. And that just disappointed me altogether. And I dropped out and I started working full time and I started studying part time business leadership and management i know (laughs) like it's uh, not it's a big change but i realized okay if i'm gonna study something let me study something just to have paper and that's about it i'm not gonna lie that paper got me the job that i have today and don't get me wrong it's not useless thing to do Um, it's kind of like certificate for business leadership and management and it's pretty good i'm not gonna lie but it's not my passion so it's definitely not something that i want to do my whole life Writing is still something that I do enjoy and I really love. And it's still something that I do, but for myself, if that makes sense, yeah. And what sort of uh, stories would you write? Are they fantasy? Are they about the mundane? Are they about... No, I don't know if I was influenced by Haruki Murakami or something like that. But as you said, just everyday everyday life. Uh, I like to write about other people as well, like just... Uh, because I got in sustainability and fashion as well, mm-hmm. I realized that I want to do like a mini interviews with people just about what they think about nature, how is their life, how they want to go into slow living and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that was the idea that, well, it is still the idea that I want to do, like create a website just that can be about sustainable fashion eventually and just do like a mini interviews with people on how they manage their lifestyle and how they mm-hmm. want their lifestyle to be, for example. I've never heard of slow living before. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. What is that exactly? Yeah, well, slow living, well, depends what it is for you, I guess. Everybody has their own idea. But I would say it's just um, not having that buzz all the time, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I'm going back to that word. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> Um, mm. Just as you said, like painting your fence and, uh, or having your plants in your garden and taking care of them. 
taking care of the world around you as well, which we don't do enough, I believe. Yeah. Um, well, you know, all this story about climate change and all these things that are happening around us. I think people, because of this constant buzz, because we are constantly busy, we go to our office and we work. We don't think it's serious. We put it in the back of our minds and we think, okay, um, it's fine. It's happening, but it's not going to happen to me. So who cares, you know? But I do care, for example. I do want to make a change, even though I know that me, myself, and I want to make huge impact. I do think it's part of the Im impact that later on might mean to somebody. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's scary. We live in a very scary times, not just nature-wise, but war-wise and politically and economy-wise. So it's hard, but if we just put a little bit of thought into it, mm. we can do something, yeah. definitely. It's about being in the... Mo like, mo moving somewhere or, or starting a new career or deciding to take action against, mm. let's say, climate change, uh, everything requires a conscious effort and t to try and be in the moment as much as possible when doing things. Yeah. We all have that kind of uh, state of mind that, you know, I'm, I'm shocking for it, like... You mean, you'd be walking down the street, you might be smoking a cigarette and you just drop it on the floor and then you walk by it and then you see a bin and you're just like, fuck's sake, I, should, I can't believe it just threw the thing on the floor. And I'm not, I'm not proud enough to walk back either, pick it up and put it in and just keep yeah. walking. Like, uh, So like even just trying to keep things to the front of the mind is so hard to sustain, if you're talking about sustainability. Yeah. You know, it's hard to keep that... Uh, Oh, I'm always remembering this, and this is m the new me that I'm trying yeah. to harbor. Uh, like, what tips and tricks do you think you have learned? You said you practice yoga uh, before mm -hmm. we recorded. Uh, what kind of tips and tricks do you know or have learned over the years that keep uh, you focused on the tasks that you're trying to do? Well, I don't think it's about motivating yourself, you know, like you just need to be consistent and you need to get into part of your routine. Make it part of your routine. Make part of your routine to wash that yogurt cup and put it in the right bin. You know what I mean? <laughs> don't be like, oh, my God, I'm so lazy. I don't want to do it. OK, we are all lazy and that's not an excuse. And when you put it in your mind that that's not an excuse, you're going to do it. And I do think it goes back to your moral choices. Like, I don't know. I was reading this book uh, recently about veganism, for example. And the guy was just saying, it's your moral choice. Nobody cares if you're going to be a vegan or not, but it's what you feel inside. So if you're morally correct under quotations, it doesn't necessarily need to be your moral conduct, mm -hmm. but it's mine, for example. So I'm going to try and drink that oat milk, for example, you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. But I do think connecting with nature and seeing how nature is working around us can really help you out realize, OK, I don't want to ruin this for myself. I really like it. And I do think Ireland is a good place to realize that. Because Ireland has great hiking places, has great nature around us. You know, you can see cows in the field, you can see sheep in the field and all these animals. And you just realize, OK, I'm ruining everything around me just because, you know, I put that cigarette mm -hmm. on the floor or whatever. So whatever it is for you, it can be anything. But a lot of people say, ask me, like, oh, what can motivate me? A lot of my friends, for example, how are you so good with it and how to motivate myself? It's not about motivation. It's just about, about being consistent and putting it in your routine. Like exercising or anything that you do, like yoga or going to the gym. If we can go to gym every day, what make, what's stopping you to washing that cup every day either, yeah, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I think, <coughs> you know, especially I've grown up in the city, um, and if I think of, uh, 
I'm very disconnected from nature, to mm. nature, very disconnected. Yeah. Compared to my, say, grandparents, um, or even like I remember, you know, my aunts and uncles obviously still live in the countryside, and I, uh, for me, winter was always an inconvenience. You know, bloody hell, it gets cold, and for me, it gets really dark. Um, and you know it's dark when I go to work it's dark when I come home from work yeah. um, and my auntie she was talking to her one, one time and, and she was like oh, winter is, is beautiful isn't it and I was like what she's like it's a time just for rest and connecting with yourself <laughs> yeah. um, and what did she say and, and you know you, you see the circle of life you know you, you, everything dies and then it comes back again and it's just a beautiful circle of life. And I was like, okay, she's not a complete <laughs> hippie. <laughs> and she's a nurse. Um, worked in, in a hospital in, in, in the west of Ireland, and, but had lived in, in the countryside her whole life and had a much yeah. stronger connection to nature than I had. Um, and maybe she was having, I'm sure she was putting a positive slant on it for my say. I was probably mm. complaining about winter or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I would have never thought of those things because... Yeah, it doesn't pop up in your mind at all. No. You, you need to put yourself in that situation. Like, she lives in the countryside, you said, so she's every day surrounded by these she things. She walks around, exactly, yeah. and, you know, has to deal with that every day. And Yeah. Um, yeah, I think going back to living in the countryside, some part of me is that's what I would actually like to kind of connect more with yeah. that. And um, I, I think cities in our a big issue with sustainability as well. I think it's much more difficult to be sustainable within a city than yeah. it is. And that's just my opinion that I've come up with right now. It, <laughs> might, it might not make any sense. Um, but I think we're, we're you know, the, the term rat race, we're in a rat race here. Mm. And everything is is quick and fast or, or buzzed as we talk about, <laughs> like whether we're on coffee or alcohol or gym workouts or or whatever it might be yeah um there's always something going on you're always doing something and if you're not doing something i want to know why you're not doing anything um yeah i think it's more um it's not about the city it's about what we put on ourselves and people around us like i i see this with my friends and younger people as well like in general like young people have the tendency oh my god i need to do more and more and more and more and constantly more and we don't appreciate rest in general, like, oh, my God, I'm going to go out of my office and work my part time job. And then after my part time job, I'm going to go get drunk. And after I get drunk, I'm going to sleep three hours <laughs> and go back to my office job. Mm -hmm. So it's crazy. But you put that on yourself because you think you need to. And fair enough. Maybe some people need to. I'm not uh, saying that there is multiple situations that we need to do in our life and to put on ourselves as well. Um, but I do think that it's OK to do nothing. It's okay to stay at home and it's okay to spend time with yourself alone as well. And I think some of my friends, for example, they have problem with that. They don't like that. They think doing nothing is a problem. Uh, and I think that's the big thing that it's genera generational. So from 20 to 30, we think constantly work, 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 work. And I do agree. We do need to work a lot. But at the same time, we don't need to rest as well because we're going to go crazy. And yeah. this is why we have so much depression, anxiety and mental issues in general. Yeah. I have a real problem with that. And mm -hmm. mm. like resting, I find mm -hmm. it really difficult to do nothing. Um, or it takes me maybe 
like we'll say if I had let's just say I had 24 hours of resting it, it takes me a while to disconnect or I have to do something to help me disconnect whether it might be go for a run or go for a hike or something to help me disconnect but if I just say all right I'm just going to sit down now and turn off my phone and I'm just going to sit here um, <laughs> really struggle with that I don't know how long I'll be able to do that for maybe five minutes before I, mean, I reach for my phone or before I start doing something? It's a skill. <laughs> it yeah. is a skill, I think, yeah. Mm. Uh, it doesn't mean that you need to disconnect from everything. It's just what's bothering you. What's at that moment that is causing you stress or that is causing you this buzz or this complete uh, nervousness or however you want to call it, I don't know. Um, but I don't know, maybe your phone is bothering you for the whole day and you think you need to answer all these calls, so just turn it off. Turn it off for an hour or two and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I always associate like uh, sitting in silence. I, my my grandmother used to live in the same town as uh, as I did growing up, so my dad would send one of me or my uh, brothers or sister to talk to her in the evening. You know? So we had to walk up this kind of ten minute walk, and then you sit in there and she you talk to her for about five minutes, and the parents would always say half an hour at least, you know. And you'd say everything that you've had to say. Yeah. And then she'd be like, okay, grand. And then she'd sit back and start reading the paper. And you'd have to be like, D -d -d -d. you know, just the <laughs> clock going, ticking in the background. And you're just sitting there in pure silence while this woman ignores you reading the newspaper. <laughs> and you're just like, all right, yeah. That's what that reminds me of just like the quietness of uh, us. So. Or yeah, like the, you know, nothing... There's no necessity to speak. Yeah, there's no. You don't need to. Like she doesn't really care because she's gotten her five minutes of conversation out of you. Yeah. And then she's like, yeah, like she's not expecting much chat out of a fourteen-year-old, fifteen-year-old lad who, who's probably about sixty years difference in age. Like, yeah. And uh, but yeah, so sitting in that silence of just reminds me of like my grandmother. You know, so if you just if you hear especially that clock just ticking in the background. You know what we always used to do whenever we go down like or back to when I was a kid or uh, going down to the west of Ireland where I spent my summers down there in the evenings we always played cards mm -hmm. always and it was great fun yeah and, and like or even there was playing patience or solitary you can play yeah. it like my granny and my uncle used to play that by themselves yeah. that was the way they keep themselves entertained in the evening time um, we played carpet marbles you know bowls the game or curling you might yeah yeah, yeah. I know yeah, yeah. so we kind of just we got a a blue tack covered yeah. <laughs> we got one covered in blue tack roll it down the corridor and then we all stand and pretend like we're bowling down the thing what, you know watching the lines and I mean we play for an hour in the house and pro they're probably the, fun the funniest games because you're removing yourself from any sort of reality it's not mm. like you're watching the football and you're giving out about real people do things that you could never really do yeah. and uh, but we're upstairs just rolling talking nonsense about um, bowling a couple of marbles down a hallway yeah. which is yeah. quite nice and it removes you from that reality and that mundaneness as well like. I think a lot of the ideas of sustainability and that sort of stuff going back to that mm -hmm. I think the way we need to go back a little bit and kind of learn how to live again maybe in a um, way yeah definitely I even things when, when I was growing up right we always had the bar of soap ah yeah <laughs> now and now it's like or, well, we started doing that again but it, it's funny because I uh, 
had the plastic, you know, things of, of shower gel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we changed back to using the bars of soap and I smelled it. And I was like, whoa, this is that, you know, when you get the smell is very strongly connected yeah. to your memory. Mm. And I was like, whoa, my childhood. This is <laughs> the smell of my childhood. Um, and uh, like little things like that. Absolutely. Um, like, why are we using so much plastic t- for these shower gel things? where you can just buy a bar of soap. What was so wrong with the bar of soap in the first place? Marketing. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, that's my opinion. It doesn't necessarily need to be correct. <laughs> but I do think it's pushed on us a lot of things. Oh my God, this is better. Get this shampoo because it's in this bottle and yeah. it has this flashy thing on it, you know? Yeah. And you buy it yeah. because it has flashy thing on it. <laughs> so yeah. Buy it, it's better than B and C. But all of them are owned by the same brand, like you also, know, yeah. It's like, or it's yeah. green and comes out with these weird-looking crystals in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah microplastics. Have to buy that. Microplastics. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, so you you came to Dublin in 2019, 20. 2020. 2020, Yeah. Um, you enjoyed it. You kind of felt that you you got in pretty quickly. Um, we were able to integrate quite quite quickly. Um. Is there any kind of negatives you see to to life here? Well, you know, well, now, besides electricity costs, (laughs) that I think everybody's finding negative, it's not just in Ireland, it's everywhere else in the world. I do think the homelessness stuff that are happening here and the amount of taxes that we pay, I do think that should be maybe look different, like government should do something about it, in my opinion. But I do think everybody here thinks the same. So it's kind of not any more negative thing. It's just what we live with and it should be fixed, but it's not. Yeah. I personally, it doesn't affect me in any way, you know, but it is kind of sad when you see so many people not having where to live and government is just there, (laughs) not doing anything about it. Um, But yeah, other than that, I must say I do really love Ireland and I do like living here. I I know that I often talk with my boyfriend, oh, where we can live next? And because we do want to experience the world in general. It's not just that we want to stay in one place forever. Yeah. But I am not ready to move from here. You know, like I feel like I want to stay a bit longer. And I guess that's really positive yeah. from Ireland. <laughs> I do really enjoy it. And I do think it's the people. I really do think yeah. it's the easygoing type of uh, personalities that we can see everywhere and it's just you go into a bar and you have pint with everybody you know <laughs> regardless of where you are and yeah. that's pretty cool yeah yeah it's cool do you have any particular favorite places bars or benches or parks or whatever it might be uh parks i do like marion square i yeah, really do uh, because it's a uh, mix and match you know people are doing acro yoga then you have people doing slackline you know all these lovely sports things happening there i do really think it's very diverse and um, people just come there to do their own skill and it's really awesome to see that I feel like just sometimes I go there and do yoga, for example, and it's you don't feel judged by people passing next to you. They're just like, oh, she's doing her own thing. They might even join you. You know, you never know. So that's pretty cool. Uh, So parks, yeah, Marion Square and like places to go out. I would say Bonoboy is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. It's in Smithfield. They have amazing pizza and drinks. I I really love that place. So, yeah. Bonoboy is cool. Sorry? It's really cool, that place. Yeah, I love it. I love their garden during summer. So nice. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's a really nice little beer garden, actually. And they have cover. Yeah. So when it does rain, they can uh, can cover it up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, If you were chatting to someone 
who was was about to move to Dublin, who was thinking mm-hmm. of moving here, maybe they were on Zoom to you or you were calling them or whatever. Um, what little bit of advice would you give them before they moved here? I'll look for a place to live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's a huge issue at the moment in Dublin. Um, and I'm not sure, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I'm not the only one that will answer like this. But yeah, that's the first thing. But I will still recommend it. That's the weird thing. You know, uh, as much as it's hard to find a place to live and maybe at the moment it's hard to find a job even, I'm not sure. Um, but I would still say come, you know, I still say come here and live like uh, we had as well a friend that was staying with us for a couple of weeks. And, you know, we gave him our couch pretty much while, until he found his place and stuff like that. So. I do think it's worth coming here and still finding mm-hmm. the place. I know it might be hard for the f- first like three, four months even, but you know it's it's manageable, it's doable. You you can still do it. Uh, the cost is high. Uh, I'm gonna say that. So whoever is whoever wants to move here, they need to be ready to give a lot of money for rent, for the bills, for lifestyle in general. I would say because pint it's up to eight euros now, so yeah, <laughs> even it's more. Crazy. Yeah, so if you do like to spend, maybe just <laughs> think twice before you come here. How much would you recommend someone bring before? If they have oh my God. if they have no job, Oof. what do you think? Let me think because I need to count now. <laughs> well, 5,000 minimum, I would say. And that's not enough either. Like I would say you would be poor for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I would say like if they are comfortable living like, you know, in a poor way, like just getting by, that's fine. And not going out for the first, I don't know, how many months until they get a job and start actually getting the salary. Uh, but um, it's manageable if they really want to do it. And if they are young, in their 20s, let's say, why not? Yeah, probably you'd get two months. Two months of living, yeah, yeah for sure. For, yeah. Like living frugally, as you say, like not yeah. going out or... Exactly. Yeah. yeah. On 5,000? Mm, I'd say so. Oh, you'd get... I don't know what your okay your rent let's say you live in a but place. if your temporary accommodation it's going to be even more expensive mm. you know it depends what they're paying for do they just want a room or they want an apartment one bedroom apartment or the studio like 1500 for sure you know and then you need to pay deposit as well so that's 3000 and what's left 2000 to live maybe, it's, uh, you know like we are getting there already yeah, so guess, it's um, yeah um Yes, it's it's so expensive. But like, listen, as you say, once you get a job and get yourself on your feet, absolutely, um, yeah, get all of that kind of crappy stuff out of the way, setting up bank accounts, getting jobs, getting accommodation. Yeah, yeah I'd say like my little thing just from doing this podcast and speaking to so many different people is the first few months are going to be hard. Get yeah. through the first few months, and if you can get through them, you know, without taking too many uh, punches in the face or bruises along the way. Um, yeah, you'll you'll really start to um, enjoy, let's say, from eight months on your life here. <laughs> like, because in, in reality, like, no, I'm being extreme. Obviously, you're going to have great times in that eight months. But um, getting set up, particularly if you have to go through things like getting a visa and all of that. Mm-hmm. We've spoken to people like Rubina from India mm-hmm. who um, she was just like, you have to be so incredibly patient with the, the GNIB services and getting yeah. your visa and your administration and you can't leave and you know Melinda was looking mm-hmm. to travel outside of Ireland but couldn't um, so that must be so annoying and so frustrating 
And again, it goes back to this the conversation we were having at the start, where it's, it's just about where you were born at the end of the day, which is, um, which is madness. Um, but anyway, it's uh, and yeah, it's been really like great talking to you. I've really enjoyed <laughs> it. Pleasure, Thank yeah. you guys Thank for you. having me. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a pleasure as well. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. If you can, it's so incredibly helpful to us if you um, rate this. If you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts, if you can just give us a quick review, like I, I actually can't um, explain how much of a difference it actually makes because I've some some people left reviews over the last few weeks and the difference it has made has been unbelievable and I'm not talking about a lot of reviews we got like you know five or six reviews if people can just keep adding to that we'd appreciate it so much um, on Spotify if you can give us a rating or even just share it with a friend it makes a huge difference um, and thanks so much Ross thanks a million thanks, so thanks much. everybody for listening and uh, we'll talk to you next time Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.